Hi everyone, my name's Steve Tudor and welcome to the Friday Show. It's a show that's getting a little bit concerned now about Martin Tyler's fatal attraction with Sadio Mane and Edison. On today's show we have a very special guest. He's someone who's promoted the cause of Manchester City better than just about anyone else we can think of down the years, putting our side across and consistently doing us proud. In 1988 he started up King of the Kipax, a fanzine that has defied the internet age and it's still going strong today. He is, of course, Mr. Dave Wallace. How's things, Dave? Are you well? I'm very well, thank you, especially after last night. Well, I was going to ask about that. Yeah, what was your take on it? <laughs> <laughs> you enjoy it? Yeah, yeah, I did, yeah. yeah. It was a strange game, really. You know, Liverpool had chances. We had chances, more chances than they did. And uh, it really should have been 5-0, not 4-0, but... You know, VAR strikes again, as it did in the Spurs. Yeah. Sheffield United game. Um, but very, very pleased with 4-0, yeah. Showed yeah. Who was boss. I mean, to be fair, and this is a very rare instance of me being fair with Liverpool, it probably should have been 5-3. It really was that kind of game. They did have a lot of chances, didn't they? Yeah, they did, yeah. Yeah, it, it could have been 5-6 or 7 for us, I thought. But, yeah, uh, yeah they, they could have had a couple of goals and... Uh, Glad they didn't. Uh, <laughs> glad they were off form. Um, anyway, that sets out a marker for us, and I think we feel a bit better from worrying about, you know, maybe you know losing Sergio and losing oh. David Silver and losing, you know, the other guys getting older. So it's looking promising for next season with a few additions. Uh, we should be strong again. Yeah, absolutely. I thought Eric Garcia, given the fact that he's still a teenager. Um, up against you know Mane and Salah and, and Firmino, um, I thought he did yeah. exceptionally well. And then of course we got Phil. So with those two, um, hope springs eternal. So what I'd like to ask you today, Dave, is um, been a lifelong blue. I mean, predominantly I want to talk about King of the Kipax, um, but before yeah. we do so, um, I just want to you know talk about your your life as a blue. Really, um, can you remember your first game that you went to? Oh, very much so, yeah, yeah. I mean, the first game I actually saw was the 55 Cup final on TV. Right. But my first game at Main Road was um, Preston North End, uh, October 1955. Right. Um, what was the score? 2-0. I always thought it was 1-0 because I went, I went with my mates and uh, we, we, we decided to miss the traffic and went, went home with 10 minutes to go and uh, Preston scored another goal. So Preston scored another <laughs> goal and um, it was actually 2-0. Yeah. Um, and I think the next game was uh, Christmas at Bolton, the first away game and City won 3-1 and then went on to win the uh, FA Cup in 56, which was brilliant. Uh, around that era in the kind of mid-50s, um, who were the players who really stood out for you? Who were the players who kind of really grabbed your attention? Yeah, so my, my city's support started in the 50s. Um, of course, after the 56 Cup final, we declined. We went down in 63. Uh, things were pretty grim. Came up again in 66 and did ever so well winning Cups and winning the league, the FA Cup, League Cup, Cup Winners' Cup. Into the 70s, we should have won the title again in 72. Uh, Wembley in 70, Wembley in 76, 77 was a good year. We finished second. Mm. Then we got into the 80s. We got the cup final. We 
Swales brought Alison back and uh, we spent a load of money and we went into decline again, um, which we never never really recovered from for a long, long time. Yeah. Then in the 90s, well, there were pretty poor times, um, but, you know, we had just had to hang on for the Sheik to come in. We got up in 99, we moved to the new stadium, the Sheik came in with the money, and even then, we didn't think we were going to do very well because of the DNA of City. <laughs> and, uh, you know, what's happened since then has been beyond our wildest dreams, really, Stephen. Yeah. And, um, you know, we're just wallowing in the glow of success at the moment. Well, even when you though look the back titles on... uh, evaded us this season, but we've won the League Cup, we've got the FA Cup and the Champions League still to go for. So, could be good. Absolutely, it could be a, a memorable season, um, and certainly one where when we look back in the history books and we look back at the, you know, two league titles, and then the following year, if it's the Champions League, you're still going to be looking back thinking that was a very good year, that was a vintage year. And um, when you look back on kind of 70 years of, of supporting City um, and attending God knows how many games, uh, who were the players who really stand out for you, particularly in the early days, kind of 50s, 60s? Um, late 60s, who were the real favourite players of yours? Yeah, well, obviously, Bert Trotman was my favourite player. Mm. I was a budding goalkeeper myself. Oh, right, I didn't um, know that. And in that in that team, we had players like Joe Hayes, Roy Paul, Ken Barnes. You know, we had great players in that team. Bobby Johnston scored a marvellous header in the 55 Cup final that's never really shown on TV very much. Mm. And, um, you know, from then... Even even Dennis Law in his first period, you know, whacking those six in at Luton, yeah. was there that day, and uh, all counted for nothing, of course. Um, Dave, Dave you know, was it, um, moving on into sorry. was it was it fog? Was it what, what was the reason for it? No, no, it was a waterlogged pitch. Oh, was it right? Right. Yeah, it was pouring down, and the score at half time was three two. If the referee had abandoned it at three two, you know, I don't think we'd have complained too much. Yeah, but then you know to let it go within 20 minutes of the end of the game and cancelled out that, that, that 6-2 result was was a massive disappointment. Yeah. But we thought we'd win the replay, but in the replay, uh, Ken Barnes got injured, so we were down to 10 men, and that seemed to me make the difference. Yeah. Um, what about kind of more recent times, um, kind of from the 80s up to perhaps, you know, the, the takeover uh, who who are your kind of favourite players, your favourite kind of moments? Yeah, I think this, the 70s, obviously, it was Bellley and Summerbay. Yes, yeah. Uh, as as were the late 60s. Um, in the 80s, you know, we had one or two players that were okay. Um, the 90s was all a bit of a blur. Uh, but, I mean, winning that uh, playoff final in 99 was absolutely tremendous. We had players in that team that just had a lot of heart, a lot of homegrown players. Yeah, I think we missed out with our uh, in the eighties probably with with the the youngsters coming through, Ian Brightwell, Paul Lake, who was injured of course, um, Stevie Redmond. Uh, I think um, I think we have the nucleus of a team, and when you look across the road united they had they had a, a good group of youngsters but they also had smiling goal yes Cantonar up yeah. front i think if we'd have had players of that caliber our our five youngsters that were coming through would have been really really tremendous yeah. um, but it wasn't to be 
And of course, we, we, we were up and down during the 80s. The 90s, we did quite well. We got to fifth a couple of times. Could have um, got into Europe if we'd not been, English teams hadn't been banned. And then we just went into decline. And, uh, you know, they were they were tough times. But it's all a bit of a blur now, of course. And hmm. the recent successes uh, masked all those tough times that we had. But we always had players playing in the blue shirt that were, uh, you know, had a lot of heart. Yeah. And well, guts. when we look back at the 80s, uh, and that was when, you know, the fanzine started up, was it 1988? Was it, is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I think the first two um, general fanzines were when Saturday comes and off the ball. Yeah. And um, I think at that, round about that time, the Football Supporters Association started up because. It was uh, everything that could go wrong with football did go wrong. Mm. In 1985, when, you know, we had Heisel, we had uh, the Bradford fire, and we had the fan at Birmingham that got crushed and killed, and uh, hooliganism was at its absolute peak. And so the, the ordinary fans decided that, you know, as the media was so poor then, which of course it is again now, um, that, Ordinary fans needed a voice, and the football fan fanzine started up, and it gave fans a chance to say the piece, and um, you know it's just gone on from there, really. Yeah. And um, you know it's uh, we've been going for thirty two years now, and uh, it's been a bit tough recently, obviously with the uh, with the lockdown. But um, you know we had five away games on the trot, which was uh, absolutely unprecedented. And then we didn't have any home games, so for our issue two six seven, it uh, it was a struggle because we lost a lot of home sales. Yeah. But since then we've um, I've managed to sell a bit of memorabilia. Uh, we've had some good donations. The subscribers have kept up, so we're we're on track now for the next issue, which um, we're just hanging on for the cast decision, and hopefully that will go our way, and we'll have a. The tremendous next edition, which will be issue two six nine. So issue two six nine is that going to be purely postal? Because of course, you know, it's not going to be any fans. Yeah, that'll be. Uh, yeah. Well, we've not even been able to get to the outlets in Manchester and um, Stockport. Um, so we're hoping for the next one, we should be able to get out to the outlets and get it in the outlets as well as uh, by subscription. Yeah. So yeah, it's looking promising at the moment. Yeah. We're yeah. coming out of the lockdown, hopefully, and hopefully there won't be a second spike. But the big uh, disappointment is that, you know, I can't see f- football fans being able to get into grounds until maybe next year even. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll move on to kind of your kind of match day routine and, and the importance of obviously kind of home games in terms of sales um, shortly. But kind of going back to the beginning... Is it true that that first issue was written entirely by yourself with Sue doing the cartoons? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, it's a long time ago. Yeah, <laughs> um, I had quite a few articles ready, and uh, what I decided to do, I decided to go for looking at future games and looking at past games. Every time I went to uh, to you know stood on the kickbacks, all the blokes around me said, you know, oh, what was it like last week? You know, and all you got from the papers was. The actual game, you didn't get. Yeah. How many city fans were there? What were the chants? What was the feeling? What was it like getting to the ground? You know, did you get any aggro from anybody? 
mainly it was, of course, the police and the stewards in those days. Mm. Um, hooliganism as well, you, you have to be careful. So, yeah, the original one was mainly myself and, you know, I've been lucky with me. My wife has been very supportive. She's an artist, she does the cartoons, and I just like drawing football grounds. So that, that was where it all started. And it built up from there, Steve. Um, we got uh, regular contributors. And, um, of course, it's no point in doing a belting fanzine if you've not got anybody to sell it. And we've been very lucky with uh, with sellers over the years. They've dwindled a bit recently. And it's mainly Steve and Tom Parrish, myself and Sue, Jed Isaac sometimes, and um, Steve Husbands. So, yeah, we're just about hanging on in there, really, yeah. and still enjoying doing it. Good. Well, kind of, again, back to the early days and... and um yeah. Well, I guess the same applies to today. How many hours, um, kind of, you know, per week would it need to be devoted to to get to get an issue out? Well, it's um, it's almost thankless task, really. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, when when we got uh, contributions in, um, that that gives us a lift. Uh, yeah. When we get contributions, we have to check them, check the facts, check the details. Provide highlights, provide cartoons, photographs these days, and um, probably I usually start getting the um, contributions in on the Monday. And um, the, actually, the international breaks assist us because we don't have a game <laughs> when it's the international break. So mm. you know we work th- we work through everything, and it takes a solid week usually for him. You know, seven o'clock in the morning till midnight. I probably have a nap in between, um, <laughs> and it, it, it is a solid week. And then after that, when we get it back from the printers, even then, you know, we've got to get out to the outlets. We've got to get out to the subscribers, and um, keeps me out of mischief, Stephen. Really. Well, when you look back on your thirty-two years, has there been times where it's lost money? Has there been times where you've had to subsidise it yourself? Yeah, yeah, we've. God, um, I mean, all that we've work. Done, we've never it? missed a deadline in in all that time. Yeah, every deadline incredible. we've set, we've 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 hit, and it's mainly mainly thanks to the contributors that who are uh, snapped to it when we asked them to and yeah. produce the goods, which is interesting stuff for all the city fans. We think. Were you um, were you working at the time, Dave? As well, did you have a job as well? Sorry. Uh, when you look back, kind of you know, in the early days, were you working? Did you have a job at the time? Oh yeah, yeah. I had a, quite an intense job. How did you uh, find the time? Um, Amec projects at the time, right? And, um, I was travelling abroad and uh, <laughs> you know visiting companies. Um, are, are there actually job? Quite Dave, a Dave, job. Is the two of you? Um, How is this possible? The fanzine round my job, round the family, family events. You know, I've yeah. got four kids, so you know that uh, <laughs> that was a big. Uh, a big chunk chunk in, in our lives. So mm. um, it's all had to be worked around. And obviously I couldn't do it without the support of my wife, Sue. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, I have no idea how, how you guys find the time to do that. With the demands of life and work as well, it's, it's just been incredible feat. I mean, truly. Um, so when you look back at that incredible feat, what, what are you most proud of during the whole time of the existence of King of the Kipax? Um, what, what are things I, that I really... think I'm, mo- I'm most proud of, you know, doing it for 32 years yeah. and never missing a deadline. Yeah. Um, 
and providing a voice for City fans, really. Well, I mean, you said about providing a voice. I mean, it, it's actually, there's been some guys who've worked for King of the Kipax and started oh. out writing there, and Gary James being one, um, Richard Burgess, another, who's now the head of UK News for the BBC, much, much, much less significantly myself. <laughs> um, does it give you a sense of oh. satisfaction when you see contributors going on to carve out careers in the media? Yeah, we've, we we get a lot of satisfaction. Yeah, um, you know, we've, we you know certain people. We've always tried to encourage people, younger people, to write to, for us. Mainly match reports they start off with, um, and and you know a lot of a lot of the uh, contributors have gone on to do their own websites. Mm. Um, Emily Brobin's doing very well in the media now. Um, Richard Burgess has gone on to be a big cheese at the BBC. Yeah. Um, and so we've, as I say, we've always encouraged people. There are other fanzines that just uh, restrict themselves to the actual um, regular contributors. Um, you know, the United fanzine has people who are in the media. Even you yeah. find that hard to believe, but <laughs> they don't seem to encourage new new people apart from the odd letter. So we do have a female influence on our, in our fanzine, which is another different thing from mm. all the others, and uh, that keeps my uh, that keeps my contributions down to a sensible level when I want to fly off the handle about things. Yeah, you know, I get <laughs> brought back down to earth. <laughs> well, I mean, from a personal perspective, um, I recall getting. My first away game was at Swindon when I was 13. Swindon Town, yeah. yeah. Yeah, where would you be without that? Uh, exactly, it's absolutely right, Dave. I mean, <laughs> the, the thrill of seeing that in print when I wrote about that away game. And I, and I look yeah. back now and I'm mortified at how badly written it is. And, you know, there's some terrible <laughs> jokes in there. But, but I remember one as well when I was maybe 16 or 17 and I wrote about Paul Lake. And yeah, uh, I went to a pre-season friendly and someone was reading it, the article, and he nudged his mate and was kind of just pointing at the, the article. And I could, I was watching him read my article, and I, that is the biggest thrill I've ever had in my life. It, I just felt, you know, like I'd really done something. And, and it, tell it, your wife that. Yeah, well, yes. <laughs> Until that point, that was the biggest thrill of my life. And, and um, yeah, it, it, you, you give a platform to so many people um, who either just write for you know, pure fun or to go on and kind of write for, for a living. And it's it's an incredible achievement. It's an incredible body of work. Um, so one thing that fascinates me, how has yeah. the relationship between the fanzine and club changed over the years? What what did what was it like when you first started out? Well, obviously when we first started out, it was a bit of a, it was a bit of a swales out situation, yes. wasn't it? And, yeah. Uh, you know, so the the club didn't really like us too much, um, but we were able to sell outside Main Road. It's often a problem at away games; they stop us selling. Even now, you know, places like Southampton don't like us selling, and we have to we have to duck and dive a bit. But we usually <laughs> get round it. Um, so the the club weren't too happy. Uh, we didn't have too bad a relationship with them, really. Uh, but obviously it got very toxic when it was uh, we were into the Swales out, Franny Lee in situation. Yeah. And then, of course, when it was the Franny out situation, <laughs> that, that was a bit toxic as well. And I think at the time, I think um, 
I think I, I was threatened to be sued by Franny Lee, and we had to we had to apologise for some things that we put in it and that. And um, then when Bernstein came in, it was quite a good relationship then. And um, you know, we've we've been okay really since the shake came in. Um, the club have been okay with us. Um, we've. Uh, yeah, they they allow us to sell inside the ground, which a lot of clubs don't. Yeah, fanzine yeah. sellers inside the ground to sell their fanzines. So we've been okay with that, but it's been very. It's been getting quite tough this season. We've been hassled a lot by the stewards, which has been very annoying. Even though we've got a letter of accredit accreditation, yeah. So that's been quite annoying, and of course the biggest problem is the weather. If it rains, it kills sales. So. Yeah. You know, and, and you get very and wet in Manchester. As well. It happens to do that a lot, of course. <laughs> yeah. so it's yeah. uh, it's it's uh, it's not easy, and we're not getting any younger, of course. But um, you know, we're soldiering on. Uh, let's see what happens in the next six months. Well, can you tell me about your kind of typical match day? Um, you, you mentioned the sellers that you have, a kind of handful of sellers that you have, and um, yeah. do you all kind of meet up beforehand, kind of divvy up how many copies you get, and then? go out and uh, do you all have your own patches around the ground we do really yeah yeah i mean we we have to pick me me um well yeah before we get going i bag the fanzines up i estimate how many we're going to sell and bag the fanzines up so that um you know each each seller's got uh got an allocated number um we uh we uh drive up to pick my brother frank up we, I get dropped off at uh, Ashton New Road. Um, Sue and Frank go and um, park up, um, and they they sometimes help with Jed Jed as Isaac. So he goes. They all go at the uh, Joe Mercer way. Hmm. I sell on Ashton New Road. Steve and Tom Parrish come along and pick the fanzines up. Uh, try and tempt me with some fish and chips. <laughs> uh, then they they go off. I think. Steve goes down to Commonwealth Way usually and Tom goes to the front entrance and Tom is the best seller at the moment which annoys his dad no end Steve <laughs> but you know because <laughs> and we've we've lost sellers along the way we had young lads selling for us um they did quite well but we down, we're down to the bare bones now Steve Husbands comes up sometimes and he sells at um near the Mercedes garage. So right. we've got a full contingent. And then at the end of the game, we've been moved now from, we were where the 9320 club was. So Sue and I, have, well, and Tom and Steve have been moved now to the other side of the ground, which means that at the end of the game, we've got further to walk back to our spot at Commonwealth Way. So I do find it a bit embarrassing that we every game we have to annoy people by going out early. Yeah. But obviously when it's... Uh, when it's a tight game, um, we we usually stay till the end, and uh, you know just risk uh, selling a few less. So that, well, that's that, basically that just crossed my mind um, when you said about the ninety three twenty club. Um, what yeah. did you? Can you remember what you did during the QPR game? I'm guessing you you, you didn't really. Um, oh, did you, did you stay right to the end, or was it a case of oh, you know? Of course, I did. Yeah, yeah. 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 And did you manage um, to sell any copies afterwards, or were you just kind of too, you know, caught up in the celebrations? Um, well, we, yeah, in situations like that, we wouldn't go out early and sell. <laughs> yes. Um, we, 
I mean, that, that QPR game, I couldn't believe it really. I just couldn't believe that we were 2-1 down. But I thought we had, you know, we had enough time at 2-1 down to pull it back. But when, and I've watched it half a dozen times in this lockdown yeah. and you still can't see how we're going to do it. Yeah. And I do believe that Vinnie, Vinnie Company said to friends of ours that they didn't think they were going to do it either. Yeah. But, you know, we did, we did do it and it was a fantastic occasion. I thought after we scored the winner, I thought, oh, just hang on now, City. It'll be typical City to let them go down and get an equaliser. But luckily, Mike Dean, bless him, uh, (laughs) blew for full-time, more or less the same. And, wow, the the emotion, but it was just the same emotion as when we won the 99 playoff game. You know, you you can't top those types of emotions, but what a tremendous day that was. And since then, we've gone on and... uh, Won it another two or three times, so you know what a wonderful start that was. You um, you mentioned earlier Franny Lee and him threatening to yeah. sue you. Um, prior to that, um, when when Franny kind of took control of a club and he brought a, a fan on the board in, and that was a big part of his kind of you know sales pitch as as it were to get the the gig. Um, and and you were that fan on the board. What, what was that experience like? Yeah, that was 94, 95. And, um, you know, at that time I was vice chairman of the Football Supporters Association in Manchester. Yeah. I, uh, I used to go down to meetings in Coventry every month, London sometimes with a group of us. And, um, the, the, the FSA was formed by Rogan Taylor and Pete Garrett, Liverpool fans. Yeah. Uh, when they were okay. And, um, <laughs> They, uh, they 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 put the fans forward, and we finally got a voice for fans on TV and radio, and um, so I had that sort of background as well as doing the fanzine. So it, it was a strange situation appointing the fan on the board, but I felt I was the right guy to do it because I didn't see any of the other people who were putting up for it. Uh, you know, doing what I'd done to try and get the fans' voice over there. Yeah. But I only intended to do it for six months. And in that six months, we never signed a player, we never transferred a player. So not a lot happened. And, um, you know, it was a tough time. I got a lot of criticism from people that if they if they'd have been fan on the board, you know, I think they'd have milked it miles more than what I could. <laughs> but, you know, it was just a sign of the times. It was a tough time. Mm. And in the end... Um, the I wasn't involved in the appointment of Alan Ball, which I was a bit disappointed with. Yeah, you know, I was yeah. fan on the board, supposed to be attending board meetings. Yeah, um, and I wasn't involved in that. And then when I found out it was Alan Ball, I, I didn't think he was going to be a good choice for City. How and right I you felt were! I was entitled to say my piece in the papers. Um, which uh, maybe I regret a little bit because what the newspapers do, they don't always, they don't always print what the whole thing of what you say. No, no. You know, as far as Alan Ball goes, I said, um, you know, Alan Ball did well at Southampton, but not well at Stoke and Exeter. And uh, what came out was just the, the the negative bit. Yeah. Then what happened was uh, Franny Lee rang me up, just as I was setting off for holiday. And he, he had a go at me for uh, not backing Alan Ball and uh, told me that I was the fan, 
to represent the board and I said, no, I'm the fan to represent the uh, Absolutely. fans. Absolutely, yeah. And that was the end of that. But, you know, we, we, after Ball was appointed, we did support him for that season. And, um, you know, unfortunately, we went down at the end of that season uh, because we were very uh, amateurish in that game against Liverpool, yeah, yeah. which I found totally frustrating, as, as most City fans did, you know, playing keepy uppy when we needed another <laughs> goal. And, uh, Only City could yeah, do that, It was though. just... Uh, a sad time for the Blues, really. And um, kind of looking at the last kind of 20 years of, of your 32 years as kind of um, founder of King of the Kipax, how much has the internet had an impact on your content, on your sales, uh, on everything? Yeah, obviously, you know, there's, there's many, many message boards, there's podcasts, there's all sorts of things that are on the internet and you just, you know, and I, I look at them all and... You know, I, I I love most of it, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's great stuff. So long as we're getting the city word out there in the uh, in the media, it, it's fine. But it has affected the fanzine. But you know, if you go you go in the supermarket and you see shelves stocked with magazines of all types, um, so you know our, our sales have gone down massively. But we're still selling enough to keep us going. Um, provided we can get back on track and attend games, we should be okay for the future. Yeah. And, I mean, you said earlier, realistically, we're not looking at fans back in the stadium for until maybe early next year. Um, that's going to be a very strange feeling, isn't it? Uh, I'm guessing it's a very strange feeling now. Um, you know, kind of, you're so used... It's not just being a match-going fan. Um, you know, it, King of the Kipax and selling the fanzine is such an integral part of your life. And, and so has it been really strange to watch games on the telly? Um, it has really, yeah. But um, we've kind of got used to watching games on telly. The odd game, you know, the odd... Because uh, it's getting very expensive watching City yeah, now. Yeah. Um, so we do miss the odd game. Uh, in London mainly because London's a nightmare. Why, yeah. why on earth anybody decided to put football grounds in London? I don't know. We, Jed, Jed thinks they should move them all out to Milton Keynes. I agree, absolutely. <laughs> but, you know, because you can't you can't park anywhere. You, you know, you've got to work around it. And uh, but you know what we tried to do if if it's Southampton or or London or Bournemouth, you know, we try and make a weekend of it. If we've got relatives. We've got relatives near Bournemouth, so that's quite handy. Um, but the, you know, obviously the fanzines is about fans and fans' experiences. So if we're not going to the games, we're not seeing what it's like with away fans, how it's, how the stewards are, how the police are, how you're getting into the ground, what's it like in the ground, what the chants are and everything. So it's obviously going to affect us, but hopefully it will, um, It'll be a temporary thing, and yeah. you know, may, maybe after, maybe after Christmas we'll be back to normal. Uh, the worry is there'll be a second spike, um, but I think the um, the government, which uh, you know didn't do very well, I didn't think at the start of this. In fact, it was the football clubs themselves that said, you know, we should lock down. Um, they, they should have enough experience by then to cope with it. Hopefully, a vaccine will come about, and we'll be. Uh, We'll be all okay again. Yeah. And kind of to sum up your kind of time uh, with King of the Kipax, what, what would you say are the main differences now uh, in terms of, you know, the everyday running of the fanzine, uh, the readership, 
um, to when you first started? Has, 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 have things changed or has it pretty much been a constant? Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, they've changed mass- massively, really. The content's not changed that much because we, we started off looking forward at games and looking back at games. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's been the mainstay. Um, but, um, you know, we get all sorts of different views on everything that's going on in the club. There's so much to discuss every month. Obviously, when we come out, we're... Uh, we're looking back mainly at what's been going on. But as I say, we do look forward as well to future games. So it's all very, very relevant. Um, we worry that something might happen the minute we come out. And that's that did happen one time when um, Howard Kendall resigned. We just got it off to the printers. Kendall res- resigned. Mm. And we had to quickly do a double a double front cover for that one. Right. So, you know, they, they, they're the main problems. But... I mean, now obviously it was it was mainly cut and cut and paste when we started off. Yeah, and um, you know, getting it to the printers at five o'clock on a Monday morning before I went to work. Um, <laughs> so now uh, we do have a guy who does the layout for us. So um, it's all it's all on the computer now. Mm. In a lot of ways, it's miles easier to put the fanzine together to do alterations. You know, we were sticking things on in letter set in the early days and stuff like that so yeah it is a lot easier now the layout's better we think we've got all color now and um yeah it's uh like i say we usually wrap it up within a week and then it's uh it's over to but it's very intense during that week I and then, well then it's so. uh, yeah. off to the outlets and the subscribers but and- um yeah sales have obviously uh been massively hit because of uh Everything else that's available, which is understandable. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there's still a there's still room for a magazine for City fans. We think. I could not agree more. It's um you know go to the game, buy an, an issue of King of Kickbacks. I'm someone who personally I've I've never really buy match day programs. Much prefer to buy King of Kickbacks and you know read it at half yeah. time, read it on the way home. It, it's just tradition as well as anything else. It's uh, embedded in you uh, as part of the match day kind of well. I hate the phrase, but the match day experience. Um, yeah, yeah. Just to kind of end where we started, really, because it was something you, you said at the start and something I wanted to get into and we kind of moved on. But what really fascinates me is the birth of fanzines, why they started, the difference that they made. I mean, the fundamental difference they made to football. Because um, back in the late 80s, fans didn't have a voice and the greater public just saw us as, as hooligans. Um, how how much did fanzines change that perception? Um, I think they did change that perception because, and it was always our intention. We wanted to bring out the the way ordinary, you know, city fans and football fans were. Mm. How they weren't hooligans. I mean, if you went for a job in the eighties, you couldn't say that you were a. a a football fan, yeah. You know, he had to say yeah. that you're into golf and squash and stuff. <laughs> yeah. you know, it was, it was very frowned upon, you know, because everybody was branded as a blooming hooligan. So that was that was the main change. And I, I know the Leeds fans; they uh, they linked arms outside the ground in the eighties, late eighties, against um, against the BMP. Mm. You know, and uh, I remember the guy saying, he says, everybody thought we were brave. He says, but we were absolutely uh yeah. you know worried sick yeah. but um you know it was things like that that have uh that have been a good good thing and 
giving fans a, a voice has been a great thing. And of course, we've moved on from not only have we got fanzines, but we've got podcasts like yourself. We, you know, we've got uh, all the internet, and it's a massive. It's a massive industry. Mm. I, I remember when I was at school, and I, I wrote about a, a, a trip that I had to West Ham, which City lost four one, of course, <laughs> um, in about fifty nine, and uh, I wrote about it in English and. Uh, the, uh, the teacher said to all the class, he said, some boys wrote about total trivia, and I knew he meant me. Uh, but Blimey. I found it a bit ironic that, uh, you know, later on, that became the, uh, the nation's <laughs> obsession, didn't it? Hooliganism, <laughs> and then then the change, the humour coming out with fanzines, you know, the uh, the bananas uh, Absolutely. that came out, yeah. fancy dress, um, showed a completely different side of football uh, fans and I think that's something we should all be proud of the City fans particularly well that's a lovely way to end it and it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today Dave um, you're a gentleman you're a scholar um, you're a blue and you've done us proud so thank you very much for giving me your time today thanks very much Stephen I've enjoyed it and thank you very much to everyone who's listened in I hope you enjoyed it too and uh, look out for all the other podcasts on the platform um, but as always in the meantime Forever up the blues. <laughs>